The hardest thing a computer has ever learned is what we call natural language processing. That's the ability of a computer to speak back with you and converse with a computer. It's the top of the hierarchy of machine learning. Mm-hmm. It's the number one most difficult thing we've ever done. Hey guys, welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. Today, what we have for you is an epic, epic show. Um, so Alvin, our man who, uh, our staff member, Alvin, who edits and produces our shows for us, Alvin has listened to pretty much every show past kind of the first 20 or so. I think that's when he kind of joined us. And he said that this is one of his all-time favorites, one of his top three. And I would have to... I would have to agree with him. It was an absolute belter, um, an absolute belter of a show. And that was with our man, Steve Sammartino. Um, I think um, it was classic when we actually finished recording because Tommy Sira, who I, uh, who I recorded the show with, he, um, he let me know that him and his mates were, um, were also talking about Steve Sammo when he, um, when, he, uh, when he went and caught up with them because they knew him. And he said, I think, um, what did he say? He said, oh, mate, it was so so hectic. Couldn't believe it. Once we finished recording the show, I went and saw my mates and they knew Paul as well. And I was like, Paul, who the fuck's Paul? And then um, they're like, yeah, yeah, we love him. Yeah, Paul's in Matozzi. So, um, so as far as Sarah knows, he'll actually be really surprised when the show comes out and it's under the name Steve Sammartino because he's been calling him Paul Zamatosi for, for a while. So um, anyway, but... Uh, so this was mine and Sarah's first show as um, Sarah being a, a, one of one of our new co-hosts. And Steve is uh, Steve Sammartino is a futurist. So we talked about all things future, all things future employment, future of artificial intelligence, future of humanity in 300 years. And it was an epic show. We actually recorded for um, the show was supposed to be like an hour, and it ended up being about an hour and a half. We just kept going further and further and further, and we. We didn't want to stop. Um, yeah, we didn't want to stop the flow. So it's a really great show. So you guys are going to love it. Before you do, go and check it out. Uh, head to trueprotein.com.au. True Protein are our supplement sponsors for uh, for Adventure Fit Travel, and they have absolutely everything that you would ever want in all of your supplement needs. So if you want gainers, if you want creatines, if you want slow release carbs, fast release carbs, if you want bulk whatevers, if you want MCT oil and all your stuff for kind of more um, more um, mental health and more uh, more gut health if you're on the ketogenic diet. If you want to make healthy cakes and treats and pancakes and mug cakes or whatever, high-protein, um, vegan-style, whatever you want, they've got it all. These guys keep upping their game. Genuinely not taking the piss out of you guys in any way, shape, or form here, but True Protein, are they really keep pushing it to the next level. I'm so happy that We've been able to um, we've been able to work with these guys. I've started weightlifting again, so the products that I'm using is I'm using their um, mass gainer products and also their creatines and also what else have I been using? The MCT oil I use um, daily as well. So, um, mate, mate, guys, uh, get out and check them out. You can check them out at www.trueprotein.com.au. Use the code ADVF for 10% off. 
Also, check out adventurefittravel.com. What we have coming up, guys, we've got Iceland to round out the year. Iceland's going to be epic. That's in November, November 20th to the 26th. Um, Iceland is one of the places that um, it should be the very, very top of everybody's bucket list. Realistically, uh, I spoke with Tommy, who led our second trip last year, and he thanked me after they saw the auroras, all different color auroras for about an hour, 10 out of 10, which is very, very rare. Um, although you can normally see them when you go over on a trip. Um, they saw them uh, at a real 10. And Tommy actually came up and thanked me after he uh, came back from leading the trip. And he said he needed to um, he needed to thank me. And I said, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. Um, no stress at all. Thanks for going over there. And he was like, no, 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 no. I need to really thank you. I was like, yeah, I said, it's cool. And he said, no, you don't understand, mate. He said, I really need to thank you because I'm very, very certain that I'll never see anything like that again for the rest of my life. That'll be the most beautiful thing I'll ever see for the rest for the rest of my days. Um, and that's what Iceland's about, guys. So we have an epic trip going over there in November. Um, we had two, two sold-out trips last year, um, so don't miss out on this one. It runs November 20th to the 26th. You can get 10% off by booking online or, uh, or over the phone using the code RADIO. That'll get you 10% off at www.adventurefittravel.com. All righty, guys, here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. I saw you on. Uh, I heard you on Future Sandwich, and then, um, and then I think we saw. Did you do any stuff at the TED uh, TED talk recently in Melbourne? I did or? TED. I did, did TED in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. How did you go? Smashed it. No, yeah. I think what it went all right. What did you call? What did you call the? the well, topic? you know, it's really interesting, right? And you can help me here, and you may be responsible for the title that goes up on the TED <laughs> website if you can help me. Yeah. So the story was about how I taught my daughter everything she needs to know about economics in the world by growing food. And what I, I did was I talked about the idea of growing pizza. So what happened was uh, I said to her, look, I want to, do you want to grow some food? And she said, yeah, let's grow pizza. That's what she said. That was her response. I said, all right, you <laughs> want to grow you pizza? She was oh, four or five at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and so we did. We grew an end-to-end pizza. I mean the whole thing, seven-month process. Really? And there was all sorts of economics lesson artificial intelligence or mm-hmm. you know automation mm-hmm. owning the economic systems what do you do with your excess materials mm-hmm. how do you sell them what are the price in the marketplace the value of human labor organic versus non-organic there's like the whole gamut of the wow. world into this process and i just turned that into a talk it actually features as the last thing in the book the lesson school forgot like how do you, how do you cuz here's the thing where most people are struggling wait wait what about the 
So you know, so it needs a title. So the, it needs the, a the title. The economics of growing a pizza and growing a daughter. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a good that's that's a good descriptor. Yeah, but you know, we come down to the idea of a billboard. Could you read it yes. driving past on a highway and know what it means? Yeah, and that, like, go back to the old advertising days. And John, who runs TED here in Melbourne, said that the best talk in terms of the number of views has the simplest and most explanatory title. Mm. And the one that he mentioned was Sir Ken Robinson's How Schools Kill Creativity. So the yeah. title tells you exactly what it is. Yeah. And even though some clever titles are great, it's really hard to say, would someone know what this is and not misinterpret it? Now, because mine's about pizza, I can't put what pizza can teach you about life because people think it's a foodie one or a foodie mm-hmm. talk. It's actually mm-hmm. about automation and economics. Oh, yeah, what about what pizza teaches you about economics? Yeah, so then then you've got the whole billboard problem. Or, or the economics of growing a pizza. Yeah, I thought of, uh, that was one of the you ones re- I had on the title. You've really got to shorten the words. You've got to shorten it. My wife came up with a really good can, one. Yeah. What's she, your wife's one? She came up with um, Outgrow Your Job because the whole story is about how you grow and you learn when you own a system and we're growing a pizza. Mm -hmm. But more important than the pizza, the pizza's kind of the surprise to the story, but the people and the idea is really about economics and automation. Mm -hmm. That's the story. Mm -hmm. So how do do you get that in there? You know, pizza, Mm. the economics of pizza and, you know, all that. It's tough. It's not easy, right? Mm, It's not easy at all. You have approximately one hour. (laughs) To come, to come up title. with you know three or four <laughs> words that define everything. Count, count I don't want to. I don't want to put any pressure on you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have. But my future income for the next you, year you're depends lying on because, you uh, doing you're this. You're lying because you have you've straight away heaped it straight on me. That's that's <laughs> how we do it. Um, so just to introduce who we're uh, talking to, we're talking to Steve uh, Samantino here today. Um, Steve's come in. Steve is a futurist and uh, and an author. He's just uh, given me and Tommy, who's not sitting here right now, because he's uh, he'll be back in the studio in one second. He's given us a copy of the the uh, the lesson school forgot his new book. Steve, why don't we start with um, why? How did you become a futurist? Where did it all start? It's not a common thing uh, for people. Yeah, to it's learn. not. People say to me, "Oh, that's one of those made-up job titles." My, my rule on futurism is that someone needs to start calling you that before you call yourself that. At least three years worth. Right? Yeah. And I actually don't really like the word. The truth is, I'm I'm an economist mm-hmm. and an entrepreneur. Turns out that I really love technology, and I loved it from the age of ten. I busted out my first lines of code when I was ten years of age. Mm-hmm. In QBasic on a 16K RAM mm. computer, RAM, no hard drive. You code something up all afternoon and then it gets wiped when your mum wants to watch TV and then you have to recode <laughs> it the next day. Yeah, right. right. And Not I sort of, I was really into tech as a, as a young fellow. And then when I was about 16 or 17, I kind of dropped it, became a you know teenage man, going mm. out with your friends, all that kind of stuff. And you went from lines of code to lines of coke at that point. No, <laughs> definitely not. I've never had an illegal drug in my yeah, life. How nerdy is that? That's good. That's, and I've never touched it. I don't, no, I'm not into that, mate. Good. I like to stay healthy. And, uh, and then I sort of, I studied economics, got really, I was always into entrepreneurship. You know, my first business, I was 12 running an egg farm, mm-hmm. organic egg farm, mm-hmm. had a clothing company in my teenage years. Um, I did, and then I got back into tech early 2000s. It was post.com bust. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Web 2.0 thing started mm-hmm. to come back on and the tools were a bit better and it was cheaper to run a startup. And then I got really deep back into tech then. And then I just kept doing tech projects. It was more startups and tech. And because I had the business and economics background, I'd mash the two up. Mm-hmm. And people kept inviting me to write things and talk. And I've been blogging for 
I don't know, 12 or 15 years on tech mm-hmm. and then it just kind of morphed. Mm-hmm. The truth is I just, you know, that, that's the truth with a lot of us, right? Yeah. You have a skill in one area, overlaps with another area, overlaps with another area and then next thing you know you're doing this thing yeah. that you next, hadn't next, even thought next of. Next thing you know... 50 people have called you a futurist and now That's you're a right. futurist. That's right. And, then, and yeah. then, you know, what I found was that if I just say I'm a, a business guy who knows about tech, that the pay is 30% lower. So I just said, embrace, Steve, embrace yeah. and get the revenue. Yeah. <laughs> right, because they hear the word futurist. Oh, put the price up. I'm yeah. like, yes, let's go for it. <laughs> That's great. I've always been, a, I've always been a, a closet futurist, I feel like. I'm just so fascinated by, uh, I think everybody kind of is. I read and, and only really about, I think it was probably three or four years ago. It really got ramped up back into my what I what I like to focus on and learn about. Um, when I read uh, Michio Kaku, the the yep. the, the future uh, the future of the impossible. No, the um, what was it called? The physics of the impossible. The physics of the impossible. Have you read that, that book? I haven't read it, but I'm really a fan of his work. I've been of lots lots of his docos, and I think he's got some really good five and seven minute bits. On YouTube, one of the bits he talks about is the stages of a species, mm-hmm. where you first learn to dominate your immediate environment, yeah. agriculture. Then you dominate the globe. Then you dominate the weather. Then you mm-hmm. dominate multiplanetary. He's got these stages. Yeah, you harness incredible. the power of the power yeah, of the sun, yeah, the power yeah, of the full yeah, universe. Exactly. That escalates so, quick, really <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah. It's awesome yeah. though. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah, he, he, he's great. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I do more than, I guess, some of the other futurists is that I try and keep it what I talk about. I can go as deep Star Trek as anyone wants to, but what I tend to do is keep it in sort of a three to five year time frame and something you can do today, which gets you to the three or five years. Cause, and often I see it, futurists who get out there and they're all whiz-bang and you know, a lot of visual wizardry on the screen, but it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, but that's all nice, but how can I use it? Yeah. So there's that balance between where we're going and actually taking some steps that move me closer to that. And that's kind of the art of what I try and do mm. is say, how do I take you from where you are today so you're starting to get momentum and progress to the, the possible tomorrow? How do I get you at the fork in the road to choose the right path? Yeah. And, and, and certainly inspire why you should do it and what the future looks like, but also put the responsibility on the readers, the listeners or whoever to say, well, this stuff isn't just going to happen. Well, it can just happen, but you'll be a passenger or what can you yeah. do to, to get yourself a bit closer to that? So you're, so you're helping people basically get ready for what's coming. Yeah, like and, and, no, and actually invent so it. Not just get ready, invent it. No, yeah. not get ready. That Nah, nah, not ready. Mm-hmm. Invent it, Yeah, right? Because someone's going to invent the future and yeah. you can participate or you can or you can just watch. That's well, it, you can coast through. You can coast through someone else's dreams so easily. Yeah. Like without yours, you can slip through the cracks and just be a drone your whole life. That's it. But if you make your own destination. And, and, and it is true and it, it sounds so Tony Robbins. But you know what? Like it is, it's true. If you can read, you got all the skills you need. That's it. Yeah. Seriously, that's the only skill more. that you need. If you can do that, the rest is up to you. Now, I'm not talking about people who have you know got challenges or physical illnesses or whatever. And I, I I'm just sort of saying, if you're at sort of at a a benchmark operational level yeah. as a human, if you can learn, and you're in a country, you know, a Western developed country, yeah. It's really, it really is up to you. I really, I truly believe that deep down in my heart. Well, it's funny that you say about, um, you know, you want to help people, inspire them to, to create the future because realistically, like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in today's day and age was, you know, invented really by Isaac Asimov as a fantasy 
80 years ago whenever he, I don't know how yeah. I, I, I don't know I haven't actually read Isaac Asimov I just know who he is and know what he did you know and I've watched iRobot you yeah, know yeah, there but, you go but, yeah. I, but, but basically like the science fiction of the past becomes a science fact of the future you know like yes. someone has to come up with the, the ideas whether it's a futurist whether it's an author like the ideas of hey imagine this as a way that we could do society and if it's popular enough and it is possible do you believe in that do you think that your job and then the jobs of authors and so forth is you know is yeah, creating the future. Yeah, it is. You've got to mm. imagineer it before you can create it. And so... Imagineer it. Yeah, imagineer. You like, trademark that word. <laughs> at least, but it's not... It's, it's a, I think it was used in Disney. They used to call their engineers Imagineers. Oh, in really? Disney going way back. Wow. Yeah, yeah so right. It's not mine. Uh, and so you, you definitely can't build anything unless you've built it in your mind first. You can't do anything unless you imagine it first. Even if you go to get milk out of the fridge, your your body has to think about it first before you move your arms and legs and go yep. there and grab it. And it's the same with the, the future. Like we have to say, oh, what if this? And I think that what we do is we, through science fiction and our imagination of what if, that's what we do first. Because it's, it's impossible to create something you haven't thought of first or designed first or you know, imagined first. So that absolutely comes first. Like everything from the future came from science fiction. Yeah. Everything. There's yeah. nothing that wasn't imagined first. Like it didn't just happen. I mean, discoveries are different because sometimes you just stumble into those. Mm-hmm. But putting the pieces together to make something new, it gets it gets a blueprint first and imagine a design and then it happens. So I'm fundamental believer in we, des- we make the things we imagine. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, so... As a futurist, um, I know we, we booked this show in last night, so normally I do a bit, a little bit of, <laughs> little bit of research and, and so forth. Oh, but I thought I can just you know we can just sit down and have a chat and so forth. Of but one of the, just to open up like the general conversation, what's got you most excited about the future? Short, middle, long term kind of stuff. Okay, short term is the move towards electric transport. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important for a number of reasons. I think that we've had for a long time large corporations within the fossil fuel industry design government, influence government, Rupert Murdoch and cohort, you know, people wanting to stay in coal, that kind of thing, which is really bad for the environment. And it actually puts an inordinate amount of money into few hands and money which people didn't create. Like if someone goes out and makes a device, you know, or builds things and makes things, I'm, I'm happy for that profit. But when someone like Gina Reinhardt digs it out of the ground mm-hmm. and says, here, this is mine, when it really should be our resource – that, that, that's not good. So the move towards electric transport, that's really going to change things. It's going to reduce the cost of mobility, mm-hmm. which gives people opportunities. It's going to clean the air. And I think it's going to invent the possibilities to reduce house prices because we'll spread out with autonomous transport. Mm-hmm. So the move from fossil fuels, electric and autonomous transport, that's the most exciting thing. And that's quick, coming quicker than most people think. Yeah. That's a three to five year proposition. Yep. I, I think might that- just got um, ousted as CEO of one of the major companies in um, Silicon Valley, actually. Right. From Zuex. Do you know Zo- Zoox? Zoox no, sure. uh, was in all the news he's a South Melbourne guy right Tim Kentley Clay he was CEO and founder and um, Bill Gates is an investor and they're autonomous transport for um, for urban environments and they have basically a pod it's not, it's not a car it's like a pod it's it a goes pod, multi-directional right. yeah and yeah. it's basically like a little office that just drives yeah, you to work rolling offices I mean yeah. yeah actually I had that in the book as well and in, in my other one before mm. but that, that idea that uh, mobility gets increased and it reduces the cost of mobility because I think we're living through a mobility revolution, not a digital revolution. Mm-hmm. Well, it's mobility of ideas, it's mobility of uh, transportation, it's mobility of energy, 
Mm. Yeah, because energy moves around now in batteries. Yeah. It's it's mobility of finance through cryptocurrencies. So everything's going from a centralization to actually a decentralized tools of technology, which increase the mobility of people, money, assets, transport, ideas. Mm. That's what that's what it is. So it's a mobility revolution where all of these devices come together and change us from a centralized city-based factory mentality to a distributed autonomous world where we are highly mobile people. Mm. So that that's kind of that's the really exciting bit for me is fossil fuels, transportation, and I think you know next after that is really the blockchain and and the breaking down of our current financial systems, which are again centralized, which has a whole lot of bad stuff that goes with it. Can I just take it back? What do you mean by highly mobile? Highly that mobile that interests me because I live far out of the city. Yeah, right. And so. I'm about to move far out of the city. For me, what I mean highly mobile is for the first time in history, the tools of production. And where the work is needed can be separated. So let me, let me break, I'll break this down in four words. If we look at the history of human labor, four words can define us as a species. The first word is spear. That's the hunter and gatherer, right? We're, that's your tool, right? Flint, stone tools. Bow and arrow. Bow and arrow. Shot that's what we do, right? And so, right. And nunchuckers. So, right? Where do you, you want to eat tomorrow? Follow the herd, right? Yeah. <laughs> nunchucks. I love that. I've just, I've just got nunchucks in my head. And then I'll just flash back to sorry, Fist of right. Fury, Bruce Lee. No, don't be sorry. Do not yeah. be sorry. Yeah, right. That is the best moment of today, right? That's fantastic. And so uh, it, it's mobility of the, the tools we're hunter and gather. When we, uh, the next word is seed. Right, so spear to seed. Seed is agriculture, civilized communities Mm -hmm. starting to master our our little areas of where we live. After that, industrialization industrialization is spanner. So spear, seed, spanner. Spanner is when we move to the city. It's concrete. It's steel. Mm -hmm. That's the area you and I were born into. And that's the era of the last 200 years, 300 years of industrialization. I know All what right? the last one's going to be. Go, okay, what is it? Silicon. You got it. Give me that fisty bump of goodness. Ball I know, so- we did ball a swing. And swing. Ball and swing. socket. Ball and socket. Ball and socket. <laughs> I, love it. I love that we got there. The ball and socket's perfect. It's perfect. How did you know? Oh, it's just, it's, a revol- it's the next revolution. It's the next cool. revolution. Now, here's what's different about silicon. I read the book. No, no, no. Here's what's different about silicon is that. Uh, for the first time in history, labor and location can be separate. That's never, ever happened. Look back to mm. those other tools. Hasn't happened. And so what that means is that most of our work is informational now, and that's only going to increase. Even when we build physical things, it will be the information that creates them. 3D printing is the classic example. Information, ones and zeros, becomes atoms, mm. bits into atoms right digital design all those kind of things and so you have desktop manufacturing in the future and because silicon wow. means we can live anywhere you know this is silicon you know the cameras are silicon glass we're moving to a glass and electric economy uh, that means that i can live down the coast where the waves are and we can go surfing right because that's what life's all about right yeah and i can work anywhere because the work can border hop with ones and zeros which fly through the sky mm-hmm. right so this but what happens is is that we haven't realized this yet We've got a government that wants jobs and growth, jobs and growth, you know, jobs mm. and growth bingo. And they want everyone to be in a big city and all that and so we can all have traffic jams. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. The reason we drive to the uh, filing cabinets filled with humans, otherwise known as high-rise buildings, stupid, get there, go, hi, Bob, hi, Mary, bye, Bob, bye, Mary, and go home. It's crazy in a traffic jam. Why? Yeah, we need to get together. We're together today, but we just came together in non-traffic jam time, lunchtime. Here mm-hmm. we are chatting. We've got the socialization. We're working together, mm-hmm. separate organizations. You don't have to have everyone in the one building who all work together. My whole team's abroad. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's You're and wrong. that's what the future is, right? And if governments were smart, they'd be investing in a regional renaissance saying you can work from anywhere now. If companies that were smart, it's like, yeah, you get to work from anywhere. And people say, oh, it's not possible. It's bullshit. That's, that's control. That's the control economy. Look at WordPress. Run 24% of the internet. Don't have an office. Yeah. Anyone who says it isn't possible is because their DNA and their leaders don't want it to be possible. Yeah. It's absolute bullshit. Not definitely. Your proof of it. Yeah. I, so I, that's that's that for me is super exciting. I read a um, I read a really good book um, called Remote by the guys at Thirty Seven Signals. They built Basecamp, the um, online app. Another great example. Yeah, and they um, they talked about how there is like an underground trend that is going to people are happier and work better from s- remote or semi remote basis. Yeah, so or, people can or have a hybrid kind of model where yeah. you come in, connect when you need to, yeah. and, then, and then go off. That's you know? right. Like, Maybe like two days a week coming to the office for if you do need to have exactly. some meetings and some FaceTime or whatever. Right. And then the rest of the time, you can be, you know, you can have your dog around you, you're going to be with your, your friends and family or, or whatever. And then the, 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 the one thing with this book that I thought was cool, which you might be able to vibe on, Steve, is like then when everyone's not just packed into an office and everyone's, you know, oh, isn't Mary a great employee? She was here till eight o'clock last <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's irrelevant. What does she do till eight o'clock? Like yeah. it becomes, it turns the whole, if you're a good employee from how many hours do you work? I, mean, I know that what you pr- produce is still v- valued, obviously. People still say that. Quality but output, output, output is key. Output. Yeah, quality of work for sure. Yeah, but and, and output, not, not just, uh, see hours and output, there's this, there's this real delineation there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so I've, I've presented this to, you know, I've spoken to, I don't know, 300 companies, big Fortune 500 companies in the last couple of years, right, around mm-hmm. the world in 14 countries. And so often they say, oh, look, it just couldn't work. Like I need to see what they're doing. You know what my answer is? I said, if you need to see what people are doing to know what their output is, then I would ask you, why are you employing that person? Because mm. if you can't tell if they're doing their work unless you're watching them, you don't really know what their job is. And I would argue that they shouldn't be there. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing. And, right, you know, and, and that is a fair call. If you have to watch over them or you're treating them like babies, you're going to get, you know, that's, you're not treating them like adults. There should be clear tasks that are output i mean if you're on a factory line the, the task is clear did you put the bolt in the car door or not mm-hmm. and it should be the same with informational work just when i when i employ people who are freelancers to do work for me i'm like i need this thing done by f- friday and what's the, the cost and they give me the cost to say fine i don't care if it took them one minute or 20 hours i couldn't yeah. care less yeah. i'm interested in the thing yeah that's right, right? yeah and if if you're there you're wanting to watch over people i just I, for me i just can't swallow it and i just think it's legacy thinking and you know, this whole idea of being able to separate ourselves, it's like you, you could overcome things like housing affordability crisis. Yeah. I, was, I was at Phillip Island this week, which, which for, for listeners and viewers is um, a couple of hours away from Melbourne, beautiful coastal region, little yeah, island. Yeah, great spot. And, and I was saying to the guys down there, to attract people here, the cost of living is, you know, that the housing affordability there, what you get is off the scale, you know, walking to, to a close beach, beautiful. Oh. You can get to the city Similar pretty Similar where easy. Tommy lives. Where, whereabouts Kinda. are you, Tommy? Uh, Brimley. I know Brimley real well. I've got, yeah. got a farm down near Ocean Grove. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah I'm in the yeah. sand dunes there in a nice oh, little yeah, log I know, cabin. I know, I know the spot, mate. I yeah. know all the stories about Brimley sand dunes. Don't worry about that. I've heard that. I've heard that. I see. I surf around there when it's big at the Point Impossible and if it's oh, too nice. big for me. I live pretty much right at Point Impossible. We're one of the closest houses to it. Oh, right. Love it. And so, you know, the idea of saying, well, if you wanted to get a regional renaissance, you should build, you know, 
co-working space for companies to split their people up, you know, people mm-hmm. from big corporations. Why wouldn't you have your people distributed? Because then what? They're going to learn new ideas from different people in different yeah. environments because they've got a real-world exposure, not a monoculture. Yep. And these regional areas, I said, you should build the world's first virtual reality meeting room. That'll that'll go global in news and just have mm-hmm. all your residents come in here for their virtual meetings, have a rolling office autonomous bus that goes to the city for the people who need to have their yep. meetings. That's cool. Mate, in, in, Imagine the it. locations people right. would be Dude, like that's phoning what I'm saying. in from. So here's yeah. what the government should do. We're going to put in 50 amazing co-working spaces or help entrepreneurs like those who run the commons to, to get some funding behind doing it. Mm-hmm. We're going to encourage large corporations to let their people live from where they want to live to bring the housing uh, prices down and that'll have the impact of lowering housing prices in the city and booming it a little bit and then keep money out in the regional areas, we're going to have a regional renaissance. All we need is the will to do it and the right people proposing these ideas, right? That's where we should be investing our infrastructure. Mm. And then here's what happens. You do cool things like that, then you've got an export product. Oh, we've got this great model here in Australia where we can build, show you how to build or sell our designs for... Uh, your virtual reality offices and mm-hmm. your rolling offices to the city and all of this mm. kind of cool. That's the thinking we need. Mm. That sounds awesome. Sounds like the utopia we were talking about in the last episode. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and um, and doing business from a co-working space is better for business anyway. Of course like you say, it is. Way more collaborative. I've, I've got so many ideas and so many friends and so many contacts and so many references or whatever from people that are floating around here uh, rather than if I had, you know, all the same thing getting rammed down your throat all day every day going into yeah. your own, your own uh, personal office that you're for the one company kind of thing so yeah i think it's great and i think um the rolling offices thing like imagine when we have an extra because people spend people spend on average it's a day a week more than a day a week in, in the, the car, car. Yeah, yeah that's in, right in australia the this uh, it's about eight point something hours if yeah. you're a city worker now of course there's delineations in the yeah. the cohort of who you measure but those who work in the city the average is oh, it's like eight and something hours a week yeah. in the car that's, that's an entire work day yeah mm-hmm. I think I'm spending around that much when I'm when I'm working I try not to work but <laughs> when I am it's mostly in the city at the moment and yeah. driving in traffic absolutely sucks yeah don't you don't you um it's like choose your times yeah 100% I do for sure I know when to come in when not to I own yeah. my own business so um, I had that worked out pretty quickly yeah. and I use my time wisely in the car I listen to audio yeah, books same. and make calls I, and yeah, speak to yeah. people productive yeah. it's always yeah. productive for me time it too, I enjoy it. Yeah. but it's not enjoyable when you're in traffic there's something about it the car has to move fast you know, um, psychologically you know, you know, every day though I, I, it can be a drainer but it's like if yeah. you can have, break it up with a day here or there and if you could work remotely from home that's all you would need would be that Every third day, have a That's day right. at home, and it yeah. doesn't exactly feel like it's every day. Yeah. Yeah. and it's fine. It's yeah. actually enjoyable. Go, oh, cool! I'm I'm going into the city that day. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of you plan for it, you know about it, and it's cool. Exactly. It's funny you say about um, driving fast is is okay driving traffic because I went and picked my mum up from the airport yesterday. I got rid of my car, so I don't drive anymore. Because right. I live in Port Melbourne, work in right. South Melbourne. Jim's five minutes yeah. down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber car, yeah. like yeah. bike, Transport, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's great. But I went and picked mum up from the airport, and oh my fuck! So. I went to the I went to the regular pickup section and she'd gotten tiger and I didn't know because my phone had died. Oh, so no. I went to the regular pickup section. I called her from someone else's phone. She's like, I'm in the other section. I'm like, fucking hell. So I've driven around and it took me about like 45 minutes because I took about two wrong turns to get to the tiger section in just horrible traffic, people tooting, people yelling out. And I was, it, it ruined my day. It's not good energy. It Dude, it's everyone's angry. It's terrible energy in yeah. there. It's the worst. I can feel <laughs> it straight away. Yes. I feel it when I drive into the city sometimes. Yeah. I just know when it's going to yeah. be a bad yeah. day. And I, Imagine, though, if that negative energy, because we've got clever about what silicon provides, mm-hmm. we really started to really plan this out. 
like it, it actually is going to change people's demeanor. Yeah. Like hanging out with you guys, like we've been together, you know, 20 minutes or whatever now. As soon as I walked in, I felt something, right? Yeah, good and I And I reckon. Good looking yeah, yeah, look, 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 look at this cat. <laughs> like, the door and I need just to hang with Tommy. this cat. I just want to have beers and just. <laughs> I'm just like, what's wrong with my beard? He goes, oh, you're going to have two colors. You know what he's got? He's got the blended colors and all of that. I mean, he's got the whole stick and the glass and the color. Look at that. Right? Yeah, it's pro level. And, but like, so when I worked in corporate, I worked in corporate for a lot of years. You just, you just, I know this sounds crazy. It sounds all zen and all that, but it's like you sense it in your skin. There's just this negativity. There's this, yeah. you know, there's this control element and, and then people get the tension and, you know, people losing their shit over a spreadsheet that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It's like no one is saving lives. Dude, I, at one point, I'm embarrassed to say I worked at Kraft Food selling like processed cheese. Like that's how low my life got if you want to know, right? <laughs> and the amount of Futurist, stress. Future sounds a lot, lot better than yeah, the processed cheese, cheese, <laughs> process cheese marketer salesperson, <laughs> right? Dude, yeah. people would lose their shit over like, you know, the volume of cheese in this market and the market share. Like, like what? Like, and so it's one day you just wake up in a cold sweat at 3am and go, is this, is this what this is? Yeah. It's got to be more life. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the day I quit, right? I was, I'd been working at Kraft Foods for about five years. And in these, yeah, this is 15 or so years ago, to work at a consumer goods company was, you know, reputable for, you know, corporate sort of. And I'd done the rounds in all those big companies. I worked at a brewery once. That was much better. That'd tap. be awesome. We had a tap at the end of our uh, cubicle. <laughs> yeah, that's four fantastic. Beers. Really? That was rad. Yeah. Oh, that was at CUB food. back in the day. They had a bar. was ridiculous food, good, all that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, um, and really good footy tickets. But uh, I remember the day I left. I Just one day, it was a Thursday. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Right, and I went into the guy. Said, oh, "I'm leaving here." This is my 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 thing. He said, "Oh, you got to give four weeks' notice because you know that's in your policy." So like that, right? And I said, "Yeah, Monday will come, and I won't be here." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yes. oh, "He said, oh, you have to turn up." I said, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't send me to jail for that one." Uh, so, uh, definitely. Good luck with all the cheese and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and I was out. Wow. Well, I hope you have a good. It was day, one mate. of the great moments in my yeah, life. That's that's non-financial moment. In fact, the opposite. Right? There was yeah. just something. So liberating. Yeah. That's fantastic. 100%. Um, back to how many, like back to people changing it up and being able to work remotely and yes. things like that. I have friends that do that. Um, I've got friends in the sky, like I skydive. So I've got friends that'll be You're doing- crazy. You're going to have Barwon Heads there. You just just go, like, you just jump, got yeah, 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 and Barwon Heads. Mate, the cool levels are just going <laughs> yeah. up. You, are you, are you, I hope you make Mate, a comeback. If this is I a footy match, all. you're eight goals behind right now. He's like, Mate, he's going- you? You're not even on the field. It's actually his podcast. I'm commentating. Look at the commentators. You know a bit of Bruce McAvaney about you? <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I played. No, that's fantastic. Bruce yeah. is no, great. No, he came in Bruce and started commentating the, the F1 Grand Prix as soon as he sat yes. down. That's fantastic. Yes. But, um, sorry, where were we? No, so I've got a lot of friends that do that. In between skydives, they'll be on super important business calls. And it's like before they did that, they were doing the cubicle lifestyle and they I knew them when they were doing that and they were totally unhappy. Now I've got friends that have changed their whole life and actually – We'll go into it. I have a friend that took a job and it was the standard job in the cubicle job and he is really good at his job and after about three weeks in there, he went into them and approached them and said, all right, I'm going to do this much work. I've already done this much, but I want this amount of time off and I'm going to do work from here, here, here and here. Laid it out to them and they all just went, 
Yeah, fine, fantastic. And he's been happy ever I since. Love that. He's so happy, but he's a real go getter. It's my yeah. friend Simon Colmer. Shout out to Simon Colmer. Simon, absolute Simon. Absolute lord. You know what, though? I don't think enough people have enough courage to no, do that. Because right? we're, we're actually taught not to be courageous. Definitely. Right, because, you know, you make a mistake, it's red pen. Whatever you do, don't. Just, these are the rules. Follow yep. it. Wrote, learn it. And, and courage. Courage to do the stuff, and I, I wish I had. That. I don't have it in a lot of areas. In mm. some areas, I found it. Yeah. But just to have the courage to say, "No, nah, that doesn't suit me. This is what I want." And then if it doesn't leave, like the one thing about courage is you've got to be prepared to walk away, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. You've got to be prepared to walk away, and I don't reckon unless you're prepared to walk away from something, you'll never actually have the courage to really go. This is what I want. Yeah. Like you've got to have. You've got to be prepared to walk away, and that takes that takes a bit of courage. And and the number one reason I think most people don't have the courage is that we build around us a financial infrastructure that has to be served. hundred percent job security. Yeah. Job security, it, but it's not job security, no, but, but, but it's stuff security because I've yes. got the TV and no, I've, got, I've got the, the Foxtel thing and I've got the, my, I've got my phone monthly yeah. subscription yeah. and I've got the rent and I've got the whatever. 100%. People need to learn the number one skill I reckon before you can find that and have that courage. Cause not everyone's earning the big coin or is the greatest at what they do. Often we do a pretty okay job. Because, you know, not many jobs are, you know, it's it's the world we live in. Yeah. But if we can de-gear our lives, de-gearing, you know the idea of gearing, like where you gear an investment. Gearing, it's it's the idea of you uh, go into debt so that something grows in value. Yeah. Well, what we do like is- negative gearing, positive gearing. Yeah, negative yeah, yeah. gearing, positive yeah. gearing. But what we do is if we earn this much, about that much of it is geared. So subscriptions, cost, electricity, rent, whatever. And, you know, car- all of that stuff. If you can like walk away and not have any expenses and live really skinny, if you can do that, then you have a chance at pushing for the lifestyle you really want. But if you can't de-gear your life, you can never do it. You're just yeah. on that treadmill. And yeah. one, there's one great hack to do it. Imagine if you could save 50% of what you earned. Do you reckon that's possible? 50%, yeah. let's say you're earning 100 bucks a week, could you live on 50? Or you're earning 1,000 bucks a week, could you live on 500? Like, could you? It might be hard, but this is a really interesting question because I'll tell you what, if you can do that for one year, at the end of that year, you've got a year to try and find the real thing you want to do that will make you happy and replace that income. Yeah. If you can live on 50% of what you earn, you only have to work one year in two. And every year off, you could try something new that you always want to try. I mean, it's an interesting idea, Definitely. isn't it? It's a really it. interesting Definitely. idea. You actually do it too. That's what I did. That's how I got out. Yeah, because there's there's a there's a there's a there's a level that we get to where we'll always so if we earn X amount, we have X amount in the bank, we're always just gonna have enough money to cover our bills, just gonna have enough money to pay keep our bill like I always think when I was getting adventured off the ground, my company, I was always like, How do I always just sneak through when I'm going through these tough periods? And it's because you basically spend what you have. You do. And you're yeah. always, you're you always fun happen. to that last little, you get through that last little squeeze past that last little section. You're like, oh, yeah. fuck, I've done it again. But it's because that's why that book, Profit First, like it's a business book and it talks right. about paying yourself first. Yeah, that's so, a great That's a great thing. That's in yeah. here too. The yeah. idea of, I don't even, it's like that goes there. That that money does not even exist. Yeah. When I earn, I've always done that. And then you just deal that. with the money that you've got because you've already paid yourself. You've kept yeah. the business, you've paid yourself, you've put money into the, towards the business and then you do exactly the same thing with the money that you've got and you end up in the same position. You'll probably be tight, squeeze it through that last little door or whatever, but you haven't spent, you haven't built the more infrastructure around you, you business-wise, you and, and cost of living. Yep. Like we all fall into the pay rise trap because, yep. you know, when you first, you know, work you you earn a bit you think oh, i'll buy that shirt you know van houston is 30 dollars. it's fine then the next thing you know 
you know, you're buying an Oxford shirt, the and Ralph then after Polo. that, and then it's Ralph, <laughs> Pol- you know, and then it's a Boss Hugo. Bo- yeah. Like you, 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 it's so it, it sneaks up on people. Yeah. You know, you're just happy to get your first car that drives because you don't have to ride your bike. You're just so stoked to have yeah. a car. Mm. And you go, oh, this car's not really good enough. I need to upgrade and all that. And you see you? someone driving something a little bit better and you're like, hmm, kind of nice over there. My, well, my car's <laughs> 10 years old. Car, my yeah. car's embarrassingly yeah. old. Yeah. I don't care. It's like, no way, man. I'd rather put that money into, you know, sort of an insurance policy for my future than, than you know, I don't have to drive around my ego. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and, and that future, I mean, this book here, I mean, one of the things I wanted to do was – yeah, there's the future of the technology, but what's the future of you? Mm. Like, what is the future of you? People don't plan their futures. Mm. Like, we're all futurists, right? We were talking, you, you, we all, we're all futurists. We're looking at what are the tools, what are the changes, what's happening in society, where do I fit in, how can I create value? That's what we're all doing. So we're all doing it to some sort of scale. What I do is more like an industrial businessy scale and just mm-hmm. sell that skill, but we're all futurists and we need to, you know, just – manage our own future and one of the core disciplines is you got to spend less than you earn mm. that's the formula for Definitely. happiness spend less than you earn that's the formula for Definitely. happiness yeah like yeah. financial stress and pressure and what you know the government wants you to spend money i've never seen an ad ever that says yeah save your money <laughs> i've never yeah. seen one the, totally. the, the whole our society wants you to spend money of course like, they do. Look around. It's disgusting. Look around. Go out that window there and look at the city. It'll, yeah, it'll it's be. Just all, it's just all advertising all day, all every second of the day. Yep. It's ridiculous. It's junk values. But it's where we are right now, you know, so we-, we The consumer lifestyle yeah, is consuming but, us. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, obviously, the more people that have these conversations, you know, someday it might it might. It's it the Tyler Durden from Fight Club. The things you won't end up owning you. Yeah. Do whatever yeah. you please, man. That's yeah, what that was true. a different American accent too. He's yeah. got more he's got yeah. more in the repertoire. Oh, that was yeah. my Tyler. That was <laughs> my Tyler. I spat, <laughs> <then>. I spat. <laughs> <laughs> did you like that? Sorry. <laughs> say, that was me German for I'm leaving the room. So sorry, I spat on your face. Oh shit. Um had a mate who was super loose when we were growing up. We're like fifteen years old. And um you, you're a Melbourne boy? Yeah, Peninsula. Moines Peninsula. Peninsula boy, nice. Yeah, St. Andrews Beach at Ryback Beach. Mate, area. I don't fucking know it inside out, mate. Yeah. Mate, I'd love to go at a little bit of haystacks action for mate, you a surfer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I sur- I grew up Ryback Beach, so I surfed like all through St. Andrews, yeah. used to go over yeah. over the Western Port a bit. Um but so my mate Sabes, we had like a little little gang of five, all the boys, and we were the St Andrews Five. Tommy remembers, and, uh, rough, eh? and my mate Sabes used to always, um, he used to always, he was like the drunk guy. Like we were all the drunk guys, but he was yeah, like yeah. the extreme. We, you mate, know? we used to. There was a bad drinking culture. <laughs> yeah. Mate, growing up back in the day, this is probably been recorded, but drinking culture was young when I was growing up, especially oh, yeah. in the surfing circles. For me, one hundred percent. Mate, fourteen years of age. We're yeah, on it. I grew up in pubs. I was yeah, drinking I beers you, when I, I was. Did I, I get you beers fourteen? I reckon about seven. I was always allowed to sip my dad's beer yeah, at me any too, age. Me too. Have a sip, and then that was it. Yeah. But then drinking with my dad was probably around 15. Yeah, me, 14, 15. Yeah. Like, we would sneak one at the parties and that, but by the time I was 15, at family functions, I would oh, be drinking. For sure. <laughs> Dude, this is like, and 100%. now I'm thinking, like, my brain could have been really good if I didn't ruin it. <laughs> yeah. as a te- like, I could have, like, maybe yeah. achieved something. Yeah. <laughs> but what about the stuff as a kid? I used to, the first or second time I got drunk. So we've got off dock, though. We have got off dock, but, but I drank a bottle of Jack Daniels. What? Like not not all by myself, but like I bought it. Me and like a mate shared it. Like that was like you know like that's like that's, yeah that's what that's, you do. That's crazy. That's, that's ridiculous. That'll I kill could you. not do that now. No I'm way. I'm a terrible mate, drinker. Now yeah. if I have more than one, I've got I've got a hangover. Like if yeah, I, have two, I can have one. a glass of wine. 
if I have two, I have a hangover the next day. Yep. Beer, I can have a few more before a hangover, but the wine, two two glasses of wine, I'll have a hangover. Yep. And I'm pretty much, any more than one drink, and, and I'm... I'm I'm pretty tipsy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm drunk off I on beer. Much, no. I'm definitely <laughs> drunk off on beer. Yeah, well, I never drink. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, what are you coming in at? Seventy kilos? Sixty. Sixty. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna go six because I'm sixty-seven. Yeah, I'm a bit thicker than you. Yeah, I'm hopefully. Um, you know, my metabolism slows down at some point. No, you don't know. No. Can because, because with surfing, your pop up really matters. Having True. your weight, your pop up. That's True. the one thing I notice. Is that if I even put on a few kilos, my pop up slows yeah. down. Yeah, it's not that I'm, I'm fine when I'm on the wave, but just the pop up. That's yeah. you've got to stay skinny, mate. Paddling's it's going to be hard. Paddling, paddling, paddling gets way harder. Got to do the burpees. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Um, but my dad was running pubs when I was growing up, so I was right. pulling beers yeah. at the age of fifteen. No way. Yeah, I love all the time. that. I love that. Just get pulling on pulling beers the beers. I love yeah. that. Well, whenever dad would shut the pub down, he would have knockoffs with all the staff and then I'd just start pulling bit pulling beers for everyone while the they'd be smoking ciggies at the bar and <laughs> I love that. Were you on the Bellroom Peninsula? Um no this was down well that was at Apollo Bay. Oh my dad used to run the pub at Apollo oh, Bay right, but yeah. my dad used to be the president of the men's home footy club. So oh, I was really? the glassy. So like every Saturday night it was dollar pots. Yeah. And I used to Future I, Fit Radio, what's going on? <laughs> I remember and now being, the truth. I remember being so um so small that like it would get to a certain point in the night where the cigarette smoke inside would get Get to my height, <laughs> oh, right, and then yeah. I'd go sleep in the car because it was disgusting. Where it's oh, like wow. I'd spend You're all night, the I'd spend all night getting below the smoke. Then it would catch me, and I'd go to sleep <laughs> in the car. Cigarettes. I don't know how we're alive. Like, you know, two, I was one of four kids. Two, like, just get out there, kids. All right, and you just after school, grade two, see your mum, be back for dinner. Oh. She wouldn't even know where we yeah. were. Out now, bikes doing whatever. Gone. My kids are not more than ten meters away from me and my wife ever in their entire lives. Within ten meters. Throwing a rock the poor bastards. Mate, they've, they've got a geofence. They've got a geofence. <laughs> uh, anyway, the reason I got called Doc was because my mate used to snap his cigarettes and I fixed them for him one time. There you go. And he said, and he, he looked at it and he said, you're like the cigarette doctor. I'm going to call you the cigarette I've doctor. I've never heard that story. Yeah, and I said to him. But Doc's just a good word. Doc said, is a great word. Yeah, I said to him, Doc's he goes, good. I'm going to call you the cigarette doctor from now on. I said, no, you're not. That's the shittest nickname ever. And then he just called me the doctor. So he'd break his cigarettes and he'd be 100, 100 metres away from me in this big, you know, bush party or whatever. And he'd, he'd be like, I'm looking, I'm looking for the doctor. Take me to the doc. And I'd be like, yo, Sabes over here. <laughs> so funny. I became That's the doc. That's Wow, the um, doc. Steve, let's get into let's some, uh, let's, let's get go. into some, some, uh, some, some more futurist stuff. And mm. um, so I've heard one of the things that I talked about, uh, one, of, well, one of the most topical things at the moment is obviously employment, the future of our jobs, what do we do there? And we spoke about this on our last podcast, actually, which was quite cool with uh, Gordon mm. Young. Um, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Um, obviously, it's coming. There's there's a huge revolution in, in the way that we do, uh, you know, we, do, we, we employ people or things. Um, so where do you think it's heading and uh, what do you think okay. we do about it? Right. So I'm going to tell a few stories. Uh, I really want to go through the economics of, of what they call structural unemployment. Mm-hmm. So this, this is well studied and I'm actually really surprised that from reputable forums like the World Economic Forum, they're talking about jobs going away and 70% of jobs being you know, gone by 2020. You've read all the reports, right? Mm-hmm. World Economic Forum. Or a week doesn't go by without a report. Yeah. It's actually foolish and uneducated, most of this. And so I'll give a couple of stories. First, I'll talk about the economics of automation replacing jobs. First thing is, this has happened before. It's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. So before the Industrial Revolution, 90% of people worked on farms. It's now less than 1% mm-hmm. work in direct agriculture. 1%, less than 1%. Right? We actually create nine times as much food as humans need. 
if you go paddock to plate. Most of it gets yeah. wasted in processing, distribution, ullage, uh, supermarkets, offcuts, right? And yes, there are people who don't have food, but that's a distribution thing. Yeah. Okay, so put that aside. So, and we all found new things to do, right? Like, can you even imagine the idea of a yoga instructor? Like, like, yeah. no, no, seriously. Like, yep. here's another one I do. Imagine you had a DeLorean and you went back uh, 300 years and you worked in the gym. You're a gym instructor. We talked about you going to the gym today. You said to someone, oh, they said, well, what do you do in the future 300 years now? Well, I'm a gym instructor. Oh, what's a gym? Oh, it's a gym's a place where you go to, to, to work out. Oh, you mean work? No, 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 no. It's a gym. Mm. But you just said work, work out. What do you mean work? Oh, you lift up heavy things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're working, right? You're lifting things. Mm. No, no, no. You're working out. Well, what are you lifting these things for? Where do you put them? We just, we just lift them up and down. <laughs> what do you mean you lift them up and down? Yeah. Well, just to give our bodies a turn. What do you mean give your body to turn? <laughs> don't you do that at work? No, we don't do that at work. What do you do at work? What do you use? Just our eyes and our fingers. <laughs> we, That's We don't hilarious. use anything else, right? Yeah, right. I've never Tell heard that person like about that. that. They can't conceptualise it. Yeah. Of course they can't because physical labour is work and everyone does physical labour mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's like five people who work at universities and are lawyers. Mm-hmm. The five people you don't know who live in England somewhere. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so everyone does that. Now think about all the things that live around the gym. Like all of the things, you know, the weights, the machinery, spandex, <laughs> spandex, right? Mm-hmm. Weight gloves, because you don't want to get calluses, so you've got to have weight gloves. You've got to, there's all these things that we invent. So there's always going to be new jobs. Yes, old ones yep, drop out. Totally but you agree. know what? Like tram conductors, Melbourne, tram conductors. In the late 80s, we had tram conductors. Life went on. The tram conductors found something new to do. Yeah. The bus drivers and the truck drivers will find Horse something new to do. Horse and cart blokes probably hated the fact the car came out and then right. they probably found and, another and job. This, and there are so many stories in history of jobs being replaced. What hasn't happened before is so much change so quickly. So yeah. in all probability, the structural change will happen quicker and there will be people who are displaced. Here's one thing I know for sure. There's enough money right now in the world to help re-educate for free the government through taking taxes uh, to give them new opportunities and to invest in new industries, some which we've already spoken about today, you know, autonomous, you know, cars, rolling yeah. offices yeah. and whatever. That were just like a couple of ideas off the cuff. But the economics of it is really interesting. When automation happens, there's a really simple economic process. So if something costs this much and it gets automated, the only reason you would automate it would be to what? Make more money. Yeah, and how do you make more money? By making the... Let people work less. Yeah, the cost of production lower. Now, if the cost of production is lower, right, and the product used to cost this much to make and then it costs that much to make, you're either going to reduce the price, right, which will happen if there's competition. The price gets reduced because the cost of production goes lower, right, and then that money goes somewhere else. So that money you would spend $300 on something, that thing might only be $200. So where does that $100 go? It goes to a gym membership. This is the economics that people don't understand. Now, if automation happens and the prices don't come down, then what we have is a monopoly and that's an antitrust violation and the government needs to split up those companies. Does that make sense? This is is hardcore economics here. But basically, if you automate something, the cost of production goes lower. Because the cost of production goes lower, all those competing in those areas also reduce their prices to compete. If the prices don't go down, it means you've got a monopoly. So like Amazon, why don't they break up Amazon? Well, they should. Right. Absolutely, they should. That's a perfect, pretty that's good classic exam- example. Now, example I will give you a reason why these tech companies are getting away with it after this, but I just really want to break down that idea of the cost of production goes down and that money goes somewhere else. Once money's in an economy, it never leaves. It just changes places. Yeah. So when we were growing up in 1990, we might have bought a CD for $30, yeah? Yep. Right? Sanity. 
Sanity. Yeah. Go to Sanity. Oh, buy your CD. And you're going to yeah. get. You're probably going to get Faith No More, the epic album. Yeah. Right. You're going to get that. The Faith No, the real thing. Yeah. Right, if it's 1992, then maybe it's a little bit of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Definitely. Because we've all got good taste in music here. <laughs> right. Today, what happens with that thirty dollars? So the CD doesn't get bought. No. But you might have a Spotify. Yep. That's ten dollars. Yeah. Data on your phone. That's another ten. And who knows where the other ten goes? Mm-hmm. The money didn't leave the economy. It just changed places. Yeah. Now, the lesson for humans is you've got to look at the money. If you follow the money, you'll see if where you are won't be needed in the future. Now, when the money changes places, you've got to change places too. And when the money goes over there, you've got to pivot your skills and say, what skills have I got and how can I adapt them? How can I adapt my skills so that they become future-proof and move on to the next realm? Mm-hmm. You know, like a designer who might have been good with a pen back in the day doing design and blueprints and everything had to go oh, i'm going to learn about photoshop and get that design yeah. going and then oh, i'm going to learn a little bit about html and do web design or small screen design mm-hmm. it's incumbent upon us to learn the skills mm-hmm. but the money doesn't leave the economy it just changes places mm. and so then the government has to come in on top and say i'm going to help you learn these skills because that industry is going yeah. away and then they need to tax the government uh, tax the big corporations, corporations now more money. here's the reason why big companies the monopolists of facebook uh amazon and google don't get uh, antitrust violations against them because they've got a real trick that they've done. So Google is in – what business is Google in? Information. information. Selling information. Selling information, right. But they they actually claim that they're in the advertising business. So they've got 90% of search, which is an antitrust violation. 90%, right? But they've only got 15% of advertising revenue. So when the government says, oh, you're violating antitrust, they said, how can we be? Our market share is only 15%. Mm. Because their market share is related to where their revenue falls. And what these technology companies have done is because they give away their product, they say our product's free. How can we be bad for consumers? Aren't low prices great? But what they do is they give away something, get a monopoly power, and then sell yeah. the data and the externalities, yeah. right? Where so they, where that's, that's where you have that antitrust violation. And the other thing with multinational tax avoidance – really simple way to solve it. And I think the government know how to solve it and just don't do it because people in government want to get a board on that company, right? They want to get their job on the board and their 300,000. And it's all, this is all very Machiavellian of me, but Mm. I do believe that they make decisions to self-serve themselves once they leave government. Really easy way to get any multinational to pay tax. You just say, hi, how are you going? I've got this new tax law. It's like land tax. What we do is we assess the value of your company Right, and we give you a five percent revenue tax each year. Congratulations, you're my newest taxpayer. If you let them tax you on profit, they'll find a way to move it around. And what they do is the classic one is the brand is owned by this company in a low tax market, and we uh, have to pay licensing revenue from ourselves to use that brand here, and that's how they get away with it. All the revenue lands in Singapore where the tax rates are eleven percent. Mm-hmm. Australian government, if they had courage, would say. Yeah, guess what? We've got this new rule. We value your business in Australia at $5 billion, so we want $500 million a year from you in tax or ten or a billion a year in tax. That's it. Congratulations. That's the number. And they all say, oh, we'll, we'll shut down. They won't shut down. Yeah. I've worked for big companies. They take every profit that's there, every mm, cent. Sure. So that's how you get around it. Really easy. And guess where that money goes? To educate people who used to be truck drivers to learn something new. So it would be fair to say... So that was a long answer, wasn't it? No, no good. it was good. So it would be fair to say that you're very... You're very positive on the the fact that even with all this automation, that will be will be totally fine. Could never be more positive. Here's why: for the first time in human history, anyone can learn anything, and mostly for free. That has never mm. ever happened in the history of humanity. You want to learn to 
to make you know carved furniture, get onto YouTube. There's a guy there teaching you. Mm. You want to learn how to code? There's well, a zillion free courses it, on yeah, how to just, do it. It's just like art. We didn't have like art and science weren't a thing before the industrial revolution really of course they were. because we had more time to be specialists yeah. in things so yeah. we'll probably just have more artists and more scientists and more thinkers and more that's right you know, and, and, and e-commerce cool. you know you used, to, you used to have to hope that a thousand customers lived close enough to you to sell whatever it was you made mm. well now you can you, your customers can be all around the world one thing that's really interesting is that there's a lot of old retro industries that are making a comeback because what was too niche to live in one city or one location yeah. now actually can become a global distributed niche yeah, where it's made great. here. Yeah, definitely. But instead of having a 2,000 customers you need, you've got to hope that they live within 100 kilometres of you. Yeah. You can say, no, no, well, I've got 1,000 customers, but one's in South Dakota and you know one's in Sicily and mm. one's in whatever, right? This We need to teach people this. People haven't really realised yet. Mm. Well, they haven't realised the opportunity to sell, to e-commerce, to have a global market, to re-educate yourself, that these things aren't hard to learn. I always tell people the hardest thing a computer has ever learned is what we call natural language processing. That's the ability of a computer to speak back with you and converse with a computer. It's the top of the hierarchy of machine learning. Mm-hmm. It's the number one most difficult thing we've ever done. And we can already do that as humans. If you can do that, you can learn the code. You can learn the stuff. You can learn the skills. Right, we just need someone to show us, to take us forward. And actually that becomes an industry opportunity as well. The industry of teaching people what they need to survive the future is the industry we should be building right now. Building an infrastructure of support to help people have the skills they need for the future. That becomes an industry. An industry for freelancers, everyone goes, oh, the gig economy is bad. And there are exploitative versions of it, like you know, Uber drivers and so on. I mean, they're just, they're just placeholders for robots. Let's be honest about it, yeah. right? Let's be honest. And I get that. I speak to Uber drivers and they say, look, I know this isn't permanent, but it's, it suits me now. And, I, yeah, and there's, some, there's some positives, but it's not the gig economy that I envisage. The gig economy that I envisage is people with high, unique skills getting paid good quality wages or freelance fees. Then there's this whole thing where everyone says, oh, yeah, but it's not the same as the benefits you get as an employee. Well, why don't we make that an industry? Why wouldn't it be amazing to say – oh, well, you know, I'm going to give 5% of my money to this freelancer's kind of like a quasi-union and they pay for my sick leave, my annual leave, they organise my superannuation. That's what unions should be doing. Mm. Unions should be saying, you know what we're going to be? We're going to look after all the freelance workers around the world and help them with their negotiating their rates, the skills that they've got, mm. superannuation, all of that kind of stuff, right? This is the thinking we need. We can build industries around supporting the new world that's emerging and straight away we're going to help people transition as part of the industry to build. So that's the kind of thinking. Wow. That's a, that's a fascinating it, – it is funny the, the difference in between even when we were kids to when we're not even grandparents is going to be uh, – the world is going to be so, so, so different, you know. Um, yeah. It's a positive outlook, though. It's, it is, mate, but you've really got to be positive. positive. It's a choice, that right? Is, it's a choice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a great way to look at it. And I, th- I think we're at the bleeding edge of this, right? Podcasting is a thing. And uh, you know, us building it, you've probably got a lot of listeners that are who, whoever, who knows mm. where they are. Yeah, that's right. right? And same with a lot of people who read my books around the like, There's no way I could find these people before. Mm. Yeah. I mentioned it in the last show. I'm Ken, my my, my thing, theory was always that somehow we try and find a way that people just work less. Same amount of jobs spread across same amount of jobs spread across 
you know what I mean? If if, if half the jobs yeah. get replaced, then because I think we work too much, you know. I'd yeah, love I do to see, too. I'd love to see people working we work 25. too much on things that don't interest us. Yeah, yeah that's or right. Don't, or like, things that don't matter. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that's work right. being yeah. done, especially in large I corporations. Love working. I love working if it's something I'm into or it's something that's yeah. going to actually even feel like my work, life. Does it? Yeah, 100%. When you're doing something that's cool, like in some ways, this is this is my work today, right? I'm yeah. coming to have a chat and, and I'll use this and I'll push it out and that'll help me sell books or do whatever. Does this feel like work? No, no, that's right. this is, that, that's but, right. but in corporations, what we do is we get people doing a lot of busy stuff. Yeah. Right? It's not really work. It's just busy stuff. So you, you think that we should spread the jobs around? Well, I usually so, so help me yeah, help me distill this thought, and then I'll see what I yeah. You know, so I we, use I use the the um, the example. Um, so say we've got 120 hours of work split, split across three employees at the moment, mm. and then. By artificial intelligence and, and, and automation, that's uh, 60 hours get taken away, 50%. You know, So mm. effectively, people think of it, I think, at the moment, the doomsayers and, and, and so forth, as in, well, one and a half people are going to lose their jobs, aren't they? One person is going to go to part-time, one person is going to lose their job. That's how you kind of think of it. I think that we have to come up with some sort of universal basic income where people, it's like, yeah, cool, all right. There's X amount still coming in the, in the economy. There's going to be a huge amount of tax that's going to be spread across uh, siphoned off to those people in a universal basic income and those people will work 20 hours a week rather than 40 hours a week. Because realistically, like even if your work is passionate, like you're passionate, you love what you're doing, like 40 hours, 50 hours what people are working, that's still, that's still a lot. Still too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's still too much. too much. So me, like I'll be, pas- I'll be super happy and passionate to work on, on anything to do with AdventureFit for 20, 25, 30 hours a week. Easy. Yeah. Like once it starts to get above that, I still think we're working too much, even if it is your passion, you know? Cause, yeah, because you, you have to have things outside of work, and you have your family and friends. You need you know? balance. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. So that's what that's what I've always I've always been really optimistic on universal basic income on artificial intelligence replacing our jobs, and for that reason, I was like, okay, cool. But it depends if the corporations are are able to be enforced and not be greedy and not. I don't know if we're there yet. You nah, know what I mean? Because a lot of people are greedy. Well, yeah. greed and greed and fear are the same thing, right? The only reason people are greedy is because they're scared, right? And we're the first few generations to have excess food in the history of our entire species. This has never happened. Like a fridge full of food. Mm. My dad tells the stories of the 40s in Australia where they got meat once a week and they had a little thing called a meat safe where you put the meat and that was a you know, rare moment. And <laughs> meat safe. Never, meat no, safe. No, a meat safe was like a non-elect... No one had electricity yeah. until the 60s, right? And just the fact that we've got fridges full of food, like that's yeah. so rare. And so we haven't really coped with the fact that we don't need more and people who accumulate money are just the scaredest people mm. and the greediest or they just want to be the top of some sort of a hierarchy. Mm. But we really don't need it, right? No. And, and so that greed thing is really part of fear. People who are scared that they won't have enough to live with are generally greedier. Yeah. It's fear and, fear and greed are the same thing, right? But greed is the reaction to fear. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So you're scared you won't have enough, so you react by being greedy and having more because you want to make sure that you survive because that's our strongest instinct is survival. Yeah. So we're not there yet. Um, but I, but working too many hours, is, for me, this is interesting, right? And it's, and it's especially interesting now. When I worked in corporations in work that I didn't enjoy that much, I did have one job in advertising for a while that I liked, but most of the jobs I had I really didn't like. I did valet parking when I was at uni or something, and that was fun. That'd be so interesting. That Drive was interesting, cars, man. You'd drive in different cars people. and you get – Ferraris and Porsches and everything. It was interesting. Um, so I actually, for me, right, if I, I actually feel like I'm always working but I'm never working. Like when I'm 
playing with my kids or going somewhere, I'm noticing things that I can bring back into my work because I'm genuinely interested in the type of stuff that I really pay attention and notice stuff. Yeah. So in a way, I'm always at work. And in a way, I'm sort of never at work because what yeah. I do, I enjoy. Well, you're in a great place. And that's rare. That's kind of rare. That's kind of like last night I was writing a blog post till you know, 11 p.m. Yeah, because it was fun. I was just doing it. I was yeah. just writing it. I was writing about nostalgia and how nostalgia becomes a new business we can build because yep. you can sell old ideas online that, that went away. Kind of like the niche stuff that you're talking about. Like you yeah. could never do it in a, in a brick and mortar place, but now you yeah, can do yeah, it online. Yeah, super niche, right? Yeah, like I bought an old school BMX, an 80s BMX, spent... Yeah, three times as much as they cost when I was growing up, but I love it and yeah. I ride it everywhere. <laughs> but um, so I don't, I don't know if I, so I don't know if I am, am really onto the idea of splitting up the work because I actually reckon new things will will appear. I don't think we'll ever run out of things to do, and the reason I don't think we'll ever run out of new things to do is because most of the things we already do are made up. They're made up. Like there's about four essential things. There's like health, somewhere to sleep, warm house and food. Everything else is made up. That hat's made up. Yeah. You, there's no sun in here. No, no. It's made up. The beard that's made up. Like everything is made up. Like I don't need this moleskin notepad. No. It's just $40 worth of made up shit. Right? I just need a piece of paper. Like this t-shirt with this print on it, this is made up. When, when I say it's made up, it's non-essential. We live in a non-essential economy. Definitely. So many things are not essential. And I don't think that the jobs will ever disappear. I really, I really don't. No. Because the money's still there. And because the money's still there, someone will spend that money on something else they didn't need. Now, I do think there'll be less stuff and more activities and ideas and, and experiences. Yeah. Right? And I actually think that the most premium thing you'll be able to buy in the future will be the things that you're buying because a human is doing it. So music's a really informative example. Right now, music used to be, concerts used to be the, the sample to sell the CD. Now the music is given away for free to sample the concert that you pay for. The experience. And the experience is that the human was doing it. Right? And robotics are about perfection and efficiency. Efficiency is for robots. Experiences are for humans. Now, if the robots get as smart as people think, and this is where we'll get a bit Star Trek on the future of stuff, if robots get as smart as people think they will, right? I mean, have emotional intelligence, did you know they're going to want annual leave and sick days and they're going to make friends with us and, and if they're really smart and emotional, they'll help us and they'll create new industries and, and they'll go on their holidays? There's going to be planes with robots on them going on holidays, sitting next to you. I feel like there already what? are sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is this is the type of thinking. So what people do is they think about robots getting so smart that they'll just encapsulate everything the human does and just take over. Well, if they get as smart as you say that, they're going to be smarter than us. And true smarts, I think, emotional well-being and socialization is the top of the hierarchy of mm. human intelligence. If the robots get there they actually might teach us to be more human. No one's ever said that. No. You know why? Because we have a dystopian view of what the future looks like yeah. based on movies and blowing shit up. Definitely. I, um, we can stay? Oh, cool. Um, I actually... Uh, We've been awkward carrying all of this out there right now. <laughs> I, um, I actually... Yeah, I have, a, I have a quite a utopian view of, mm. of the whole thing. I think, um, I think all the problems that we have, if... if robots can think can think for themselves can even if they can't even if they're not conscious even if they can't think for themselves if they are if the computing power follows Moore's law even slightly once they get past the singularity and they're as smart as us then surely they're going to be able to figure out all of our problems yeah that's right do you believe that well not all of them because they'll probably create some problems of their own 
But if right. you say like, if you say, say for example, say, you know, poverty, uh, even philosophical problems, racism, climate change, like all these problems that we have, if we were smart enough, I believe that there's a way to solve everything. I believe that there's a way that we could, if, if our propaganda, if the words we spoke were, were strong enough that we could quell all races, I think there'd be a way to do it. We just, we're not anywhere near, we can't fathom well, I what think that we actually, would be. Here's the weird thing is that most of those things that you've mentioned, we already know how to solve. Like, for example, racism, we know how to solve. And I imagine that all of us sitting here. You know, but, but to implement, we, we, though. Yeah. yeah, to implement. Yeah. Like, no, but the point is, is that the solutions are present. They're just not well distributed. And even when there is possibilities on how to solve that, people don't want to. Yeah. Because it's, it's not about possibility. It's actually about desire. So the thing that the robots need to work out is the desire to make people who, I think those who espouse the virtues of fossil fuels are the financial beneficiaries of it mm. and just don't care. They yeah. know. They know that climate change is real and it's going to have consequences. People know that racism has massive consequences. Mm. They just don't want to not be racist. Yeah. Right. So that stuff's there. But you're right. If AI gets us smart, it should be able to help us find ways to socially – Bond get, everyone get around, together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bond everyone together. That's a great way of putting it. So, yeah. So, I think I think that's. I'm a utopian too. I think it's possible. But we were saying before, I don't. I don't think the jobs will go away. I just think there'll just be more and more things that we do and need, and, yeah. and we'll just graduate from other tasks. It's almost like your task list. Have you ever finished everything on your task and go, I've got nothing to no. do? There's always something no, you can do. Definitely yeah, that's not. Right. What people With your don't time. understand, right? That's right? So, if AI takes some things off your task list, like sharpening pencils. I have to go sharpen my pencils. At some point, someone had to go and sharpen pencils. That's mm. gone because mm. the machine did that or you've got a pen or you've got a whatever. There's things already that we used to do that we've forgotten about just 10 or 15 years ago now. Yeah. Got to go down and post the letters. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. interesting because, yeah, because, because those DVD. things drop off and new things come on. So there's this, there's this task list that moves like this. Like imagine this is time. It's like that money example that I used. Yeah. Where you'll fill your time with things like you spend exactly your money that. that you have. That's yeah. exactly what happens. Mm. It's it's like it always feels. There's actually a thing called Parkinson's law. That's what it is. It's Parkinson's That's the money law. thing. That I was yeah, the money about. thing. Parkinson's yeah. Law, yeah. So Parkinson's law is that Perfect things example, yeah. fill in to fill the void of the availability. Yes, that's it's right. With money, with time, with tasks. Yes. I wish I was smart enough to remember the Parkinson's law part because now he's claimed that whole thing. <laughs> it's not mine, it's Parkinson's. Like, yeah, uh, all the things that I talk about are ideas, and, and this is interesting, all the things that I speak about are ideas that are out there. What I do is just accumulate the pieces and put them together and try and go, here, I've made this recipe of the future. Like, I didn't think of... It'll be interesting to see what, if people do have all this spare time, how they use it and what they do with it. Because mm. I've got a lot of spare time at the moment because I've started my own business and I'm not amazingly busy I live in a log cabin in the sand dunes I'm now I'm now finding the thing is though like it's I have a lot of there, spare mate, time or? sorry <laughs> bit of sand in your beard there Sarah. oh man there is sand you go into every shower in our house and it's full of sand like <laughs> yeah, I've got to get an outdoor that. shower put on it's like yeah, sand in it. everything oh, the whole house you walk out outdoor showers yeah I literally put my wet suit on in my lounge room but the thing is like we don't I don't have heating in the house so it's like when I have a lot of spare time, like chop wood, I chop wood, chop Man, wood, it's carry like, water. <laughs> it's one of the best things. Like it's one of the most self-rewarding things. Probably oh, it's because I grew up on a farm and I used to chop it. I used to love doing well, it. It's probably something yeah, we've done as wood. humans yeah, for make fire. You know, I think yeah. you said it earlier. Make fire, get water. What were the basic things? Yeah, you know, so it's like, like heating, heating your house, yeah. feeding yourself, having somewhere to live. Exactly, like, everything is unnecessary. Mm. Like everything is made up in this economy. We just mm. made it up. Mm. 
It yeah. totally like, is, man. And, and we just make up new things. And we just make up new things. And some things drop out and get automated. And we just make up new things. Well, it would be funny to see what people make up or what they want to fill their time yeah, I reckon, yeah, I reckon in the future, there's going to be more and more emotional connection, artistic connection. Yeah. Like, And there's a, a, a great musician who uh, used to work with David Bird of Talking Heads. I was trying to think of his name. Uh, I forget his name. But he said that uh, art is everything you don't have to do. Now, that's mm. the most beautiful definition of art. <laughs> what is art? It's anything you don't have to do. True. That's brilliant, right? And he says that that's the future of, of work. Mm-hmm. Brian Eno, it is Brian Eno. God, yeah. got it back. Brian Eno. It's and cool. he's like a musician, artist, whatever. And he says, look around you. What? There's so much art. Art are the things we don't have to do. And they're the things that get humans excited, mm. right? And the more we can outsource labour and... Uh, mundane things and repetitive tasks the more art we can do oh like and and art in life you know art is how someone treats you when they're go off script when you deal with them at a company on the phone or when you interact with them Mm -hmm. face to face you know all the co-working spaces i go to i reckon the people at the front desks are artists Mm. Because they come in, you know, do you want, oh, do you, you want to have a game of Galaga on the video machine there? Do you want to... <laughs> they're putting together kombucha? an experience for you. <laughs> right, they're putting together an experience like, oh, Doc, you know, I'm like, I'm after Doc. Oh, that's not his real. I'm like, really? And they're like, even the email's Doc, right? And so, and so that's art. Yeah. You don't have to do that, but mm-hmm. you chose to. And that made the experience better. And, that, and then the money flows to where the positive things are. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I think in a, in a, in a utopian, even in a good result, even in a not bad result, you know, I think the future is going to be freaking. Don't know why I said freaking. I never say freaking, but it's going, to be, it's going to be amazing because people, people will. There'll be more. There'll be more passion. People will be living there, you know, because that's one of the biggest things that cripples True. people, you know, mental health wise. Why we have all these people that are depressed and sad or whatever, it's because they fucking hate what they do. For I the reckon majority that's the biggest. I reckon life. that is the biggest cause. Yeah, it cripples the majority me to of see life. people that don't have passion. Yeah, I've lived with people that have no passion, and it is just crippling to watch. Yeah, yeah. like watching it getting sucked out of someone. It's but just yeah, like they just don't have it in them anymore. It's an interesting one that too, though, like passion and jobs, like. A lot of people say do something that you're passionate about. And I like writing and thinking and economics and tech and all of that. But I'm not nearly as passionate about that as I am some other things like footy and surfing. Yeah. But I'm not stupid enough to think I can make a living out of those things. Yeah. No, that's it. So so I like to learn from my passion and enjoy it and free time up Keep for it. Keep it a passion. But yeah, that's right. But I also like to go, well, if I'm good at something, it's easy to get passionate-ish yeah. about it. But yeah. I'm not really chasing my passion. I just... Do something that's enjoyable. Yes. And I reckon there's there's maybe a little bit of a thing there that's interesting because to say go and chase your passion, I feel like maybe it's a bit utopian, but mm-hmm. to do something you enjoy is cool because I reckon yeah. there's something that's of economic or intellectual yeah. value that most of us can be pr- reasonably good at if you can find it. It's more realistic, sir. Yeah, yeah. And, and realism, you've got to, you, there's this, but you've got to have some realism in there, mm. you know? For sure. A, a true utopia is a science fiction movie. You know, yeah, we're yeah. never going to have a true, true utopia. Don't you think know? So, so. So, no, I totally agree. Yep. So, um, Steve, so what – let me ask you this. Uh, this is a very, very big, broad, ridiculous question. But you just used the example before of 300 years ago in the past, you know, imagine, you know, talking about the internet or, you know, what I can't remember the mm. example you used. What does the world in 300 years look like? Well, that is a big what question. could it look like? Yeah. 
Oh, can I, okay, I was, I was like two answers. All right, here's what like. I think. If you can have two answers. Okay. Sure. All right. yeah, of course. In fact, have three. Yeah. yeah. Three, one for each year. <laughs> okay. I think that um, our, our probability as surviving at a species is really, really low. Ooh. Super low. Yeah. Right, and that's not because of us. It's not at a species level that I reason that that's low. It's actually a rogue cell, and I think that right now the the, the biggest danger in the world isn't climate change. I actually, think it's nuclear war. And the reason I think it's nuclear war is that information exchanges of, and that's just information on how to build a bomb and the possibility to do it. And rogue actors who could get their hands on some of this stuff, the probability is actually higher than it's ever been, higher than during the Cold War. Yeah. Because what you have is is someone who's potentially – so I'll, I'll have give a good version. So there's a fork in the road. This yeah. is the negative one, right? Yeah. We'll finish with the positive. The probability of rogue actors who the equivalent of what we saw at step, September 11 don't care yeah. is really, really high. A lot of people don't know this, but um, there's radiation measures in the sky in all of the – uh, democracies that have nuclear weapons if radiation goes beyond a certain level then they know they've had a nuclear attack and it automatically sends off responding nuclear bombs so that's that's wow. like a real risk that's the biggest that's terrifying. risk right and and terrorism at a micro level is not terror is 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 not anything to worry about we should be worried about you know women getting bashed up by you know horrible partners and mm. road trauma and these things they're the real problems we should be worrying about um, but what, what we do need to do is to have less tyrannical and autocratic democracies like America telling people how to behave and live and let live and get rid of the racism problem. That's the number one problem in the world is racism and religion because yeah. racism and religion cause all of these things. And I'll, I'll say it to the listeners straight up. Mm. I'm into faith. I believe in God, but I'm not into religion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right, and God is science and life and all of that, but I, yeah. I, I do not sign up. I was brought up. Would as you a say it's more, more, uh, more for the lack of a better term? You're, you're spiritual, but you're spiritual. Not, yep, spiritual faith. Yeah. Believe in some sort of higher power, or higher power, yeah. whatever, whether that's nature or science or the universe yeah. or the multiverse. Well, something but, fucking happened that we're here and we don't know about. Right, so hundred so, yeah. percent. And even if there is a universe, what's on the outside of that? And what's yeah. on the outside that's of that? Exactly and what's on I the think. outside of that? Right. What put the big bang there? What yeah, put exactly. The yeah, that's right. That's right. And and so I think that. Racism and nationalism are problems that need to be solved. And when I say nationalism, like, you know, nations didn't exist. I yeah, think we, we need up. to have – we made them. And mm. I think we need to have a global, you know, a global economy. You know, if I could do one thing in the world, two things. First thing I would do is I would outlaw lobbying because that's the most dangerous thing in the world because that's what causes climate change is lobbying. Because in America they have this idea that dollars – equal free speech you know that's actually passed in their law dollars equal free speech what How? does that mean what do you mean so so the idea that um you know free speech is is, is in uh one not sure am- what amendment is one of the amendments yeah. is free speech is is part of their doctrine and they passed a law to say that money is free speech therefore you can buy opinion otherwise known as lobbying this is the law in america wow. That's money ridiculous. is free speech, right? Which is crazy. How can you have the word free associated with money? It doesn't, mm, doesn't make any crazy. sense, right? So get rid of lobbying is the first thing. The next one is get rid of um, governments and boundaries and countries. Imagine mm. this. Anyone oh. can travel anywhere in the world. Can I jump in for one second? Yes. <laughs> so I've always said that- Because all the problems it, will go away if you do that. If, if I have- Because it will naturally yeah, find no, its level like too. water. If, if I, I believe I, that I've too. Always, I've always said if I, if I have, if in 30 years' time- 
I'm so successful that I make a foundation, which this is just hypothetical. I'm not successful. I'm just saying if I was well, one of those guys. Success is personally defined. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, this successful is success, enough to, Yeah, successful enough to have, you know, you know people with the Shane Ward let's, Foundation. Let's use the word powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's better than success. Success and power aren't the same thing. Yeah, so let's definitely. Use the word powerful, powerful enough to, if I'm powerful enough to have a foundation that can influence something in the world, it would be to eradicate fucking borders. Eradicate all For borders sure. in the world. No such thing as Australia. No such thing as America. No such thing as anyone. There's an airport. Hop on whatever plane you want. You, go anywhere you want. Live anywhere you, you want. Have one global currency. That's right. Because then you, you know, bring people out of poverty straight away because you're not working for yeah. you know, Kenyan dollars or whatever. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Global dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That would equalise. You know what? Australia wouldn't be overcrowded because all of a sudden all of the resources that are misused in Africa start to get used properly and in Asia mm. and whatever and yeah. you'll get people go to these areas and it'll all even out. It'll be chaos for 30 or 40 years, but that'll be fun. It'll be chaos. <laughs> it'll be worth it. <laughs> it would be fun. It'll be chaos that would be, be so worth, worth it. it on I'll, the other side. I'll tell you what. what get rid what, of borders. I'll Number one problem. Me, I'll tell you what made me think this mm. was when I was walking Everest Base Camp and for the probably 100th time I passed a child who was 14 years old carrying they get paid by weight these kids that aren't educated if you're not educated you 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 walk if you're a sherpa you walk up and down every space camp track all day every day for the rest of your life right. carrying carrying stuff and it's by weight so i walk past a 14 year old kid carrying 80 kilos fucking timber <laughs> on his back what or whatever boss. and i was that like my heart behavior. sank yeah. yeah my heart sank i was like what the fuck i looked at it and i'm like Robbie, what is this? And so Robbie's my guy from Nepal, and he started educating me on how it works over there. If you're not educated, and so on and so forth. And then he started telling me about this on a separate topic. He started telling me about how he's just become an American citizen because he married an American woman. And I said, "Oh, that must be sad for you to be able to have to hand over your Nepali passport." And he goes, "It's not sad at all." He goes, "Where's Nepalis cannot go to 70 percent of the world. We're not allowed in." And I was like, "So you're telling me that you're born on this side of this imaginary fucking line?" And for some reason, because some government and some guys that you have nothing to do with, you're not allowed to travel the earth. Meanwhile, the world, his country the world is... that we live in, that we share. You know, it's, it's the biggest fucking crock of shit. Fences. I hate the idea of a fence. <laughs> yeah. But no, like a fence. Think about the, think <laughs> no, about the amount of fences. Yeah. Now we're going, it is ridiculous. Borders, fuck this. Fuck fences. Uh-huh. No, no. Seriously, fences are a terrible idea. Like fences, they haven't been around that long. Like mm. kings in England went, yeah, well, yeah, we're putting this thing up. Well, you don't know your neighbours without, with, if you, now that we have fences, do we? You don't, it it, it kills community. It's true. It does kill yeah. it. Fences are really bad. They are. Have you been to Europe? Yeah, they hardly have them anywhere. It's yeah, yeah. well when you're in the country like Sweden and in Scandinavia, <laughs> yeah. like you go to Norway and you do not see a fence. Fuck you fences, come to man. you come to Australia and it's like it was one thing I really noticed when I was really? over there. And they have a thing called every man's law, where it's like you can um, you can walk through anyone's property, you can camp on the property, but you can't leave trash. So it's like if like I have the right to walk on your property if I'm traveling the idea of which is like is a yeah very it's like, very weird idea you can't mm. stand on someone's piece of land with you know like in the states well, you the get shot in the commons yeah. is well documented the it's whole ridiculous. idea that you had share farming and you did a certain way and the whole free rider problem and all of that stuff but Ooh, yeah, I would outlaw lobbying, out, outlaw nation states because then you'd solve real problems and you'd get a natural flow of resources and people which would solve all of the problems that we have now utopian view in the next few years in the next 10 years we're going to be off fossil fuels we're going to be energy neutral within 20 years if we can get there there's a real risk with the climate change let's imagine we we overcome it um in any case as as oceans rise we should be putting that water into places like the middle of australia with big pipelines and turn that into a green you know an of australia a green yeah. oasis take the excess water put it there i mean this is just an engineering problem the the, the possibilities solved, are there yeah. 
in 300 years, I don't think we'll be a multi-planetary species. I really don't. Death, I uh, don't think I, so I don't either. think so. I don't think I, we I ever will be. I'm really Not even anti. Mars. Not even just nah, over here, to Mars Okay, so I'm going to give you what you probably don't expect because everyone lords Elon Musk and all of these guys trying to make us a multi-planetary species. I think it's a big wank for billionaires to build spaceships that no one will be able to afford to go to a species when there's a whole lot of problems we need to fix here first. That's what I think. And we're never going to survive right. anywhere other than the Earth, like water uh, and magnetism. Uh, we, 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 we can't. Could, look, we, we, if you take the Michikaku, we could potentially change the atmosphere yeah. and do all of those things. Terraform so, it. But there, it's there, thousands, there, 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 hundreds of thousands of years. Right, here's what I want to do. Like, the one thing that's the irony is that I understand that the reason we're sitting here with these devices and doing all this is because of the space race. I get it. Like mm-hmm. I get that. And I'm not saying that, um, that there wouldn't be discoveries with this space race going to Mars, but I actually don't like it. I think it's a misallocation of resources. Elon Musk on the one hand there is trying to get everyone in electric cars. And every time he puts one of his space rockets up, it's yeah, the equivalent of 600,000 uh, fossil fuel cars driving around for five years or something. Right, so that's not the exact stat I yeah, made it up, no, but, but it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. When you so think that, about that, that there doesn't make sense, right? So, so what we're getting there is a little bit of Kool Aid, and we need to, we need to have the sentience of mind to delineate that. So, I think that in the future we'll be energy neutral. We will learn to harness the power of the sun and water and wind. Uh, I think that um, people will work from anywhere. Manufacturing will be uh, gone because we'll have molecular nanobot printers where we can make anything anything that we've ever seen or imagined just by putting the elements into a replicator type yep. nanobot printer. Wow. Um, we'll have all the food we need, all the energy we need, everything we need. And I think that if we survive and don't have the, the nuclear apocalypse, which is a very, very low probability, uh, I think we're going to have all the food, all the resources, everything everyone in the world absolutely needs uh, for free. And we'll be focused on art and everything 300 yeah. years from now. I actually think it'll be as close to utopia as you could ever find mm. That that if, if we can get through the next 20 years. It's almost like the movie Speed. We've just got to get over that. You know, the bus has <laughs> yeah, got to get yeah, over yeah. that little <laughs> climate change, nationalisation, racism. If we yeah. can just get over that, then we're going to have all the energy, all the food, produce everything you want to need with 3D printers. Because information is something physical. The one thing we need to protect in the interim between now and then is data monopolists like Google, Facebook, Twitter, and we need to regulate against those and we need to make sure that we don't hand over our data and data actually becomes a copyrighted thing that people who create it own it because that's got all of these implications that are are wide-bearing. To me, data and privacy and security is the workplace health and safety and climate change of the digital age. So we just got to those yeah. things but the future is going to be energy neutral any product you ever wanted um, living where you want to live doing what you want to do right. if, a and, that, and that's not 300 years that's 50 years away yeah that's a future and, and it's oh, awesome. I would like, like to be that a part is the future of. I want to be part of absolutely so that's why you've got to stay fit man you want to be part of it mm. don't be the person who you know, eats hamburgers and get whatever and doesn't stay keep your mind and your body healthy so you can live through this yeah, this, see, is, this see the good is, times. dude this is ridiculous we're going to be Star Trek level yeah. of like amazingness because ex- our ability is actually accelerating. It's not just increasing, it's accelerating because what happens with computers and machine learning is that the machine then helps you find the next thing quicker because yeah. that machine's previous quicker than the previous one. Yeah. The previous Everything's getting quicker and quicker and quicker. It's actually speeding up. It's not just accelerating, it's the pace of change is actually speeding up. The acceleration yeah. is accelerating. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yep. Um, that's fascinating. We need to get you out of here, Steve. One thing I wanted to, I wanted to say um, that 
just to your um, your nas- nationalism point and so on and so forth and racism, mainly nationalism and racism. Tell you the one thing that I think would would f- fix that tomorrow if it was to happen. What? Um, we discover intelligent life elsewhere. Yeah. Or we have an asteroid coming Armageddon style that we have to fucking yep. destroy or it will destroy us. Yeah. Because then it becomes us. We're all us. Yeah. It's like they say with unify yeah, 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 Yes. For sure. I, like what they I say agree about 9-11. 9-11 they say the f- and they say that people are happiest in war times because yeah. people every fucking everything race status class all goes out the window yeah. Yeah, all people goes are just trying to survive and people you are people just trying to survive you need, it's almost like you need a bigger enemy it's, and, yeah. and, and people from New South Wales will understand this with rugby league when it comes yeah. to uh, state of origin all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you go for the Parramatta Eels or yeah. the it's exactly you know, right it's like then, bang then, exactly you know, exactly right. the kangaroos or the wallabies yeah, when we're right, Australia, but exactly. fuck the Kiwis, you know, then yeah, you yeah, love yeah. those guys that play for Queensland. So it's just that next level that we don't have to make us us. We, we need, True, that. We need a way to, like, f- be on the same team, don't True, we? Yeah. We yeah. need to yeah. s- you know, stop being, you know, whatever race we are and start being human, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that, that is 100%. We need an external, an external them. I was yeah. thinking, imagine this, though. Imagine, but this would remove humanity a little bit, but you know, imagine if you had some sort of, like, a... Uh, contact lens where you couldn't see someone's race or whatever or yeah. but then again you remove individuality that's yeah. a tricky one yeah it's like the opposite of that black mirror episode yes the opposite where you couldn't see anyone you just saw yeah. the fuzzy things yeah Jeez, yeah. that's a good show that black yeah. mirror uh, this good, is the second it? time it's crazy. been referenced today yeah. and you i have no idea you haven't seen black mirror dude you your whole weekend is black mirror now. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh mate it is you don't have a tv, do you? TV. <laughs> you don't need a tv do you have it do you have, wait a minute you do have a tv have you got a phone Ah, uh, yeah. So this is a TV. Yeah. Definitions we hold so closely to our heart do not hold us in good stead. Is this a TV? Yes. I guess expand so. Expand your definition. Well, it's not a phone. It makes calls, but I'm, we can stop okay. calling them phones. I do have a TV. Phones. I'd say I'm anti-TV. <laughs> That's yeah. rather than I don't have a TV. I'm not anti-TV. I'm pro uh, being being uh, def- decisive on what you invest your time in. Yeah, for sure. It's a good one. Let's uh, Let's leave it there, eh? Um, Steve, can we throw a couple of quick rapid fire questions at you yeah, before we go? Easy, let's go. So um, you can just ask your one if you want. Okay, oh, you got another couple because yeah, no. this is Tommy's second co-hosting show. He's always been one of our favourite guests, but nice. my original guest, uh, well, my I love original that. co-host, mate, you've made yourself onto yeah. that. I love yeah. that. Moving up, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, slowly. Uh, special guest star that then just became part of the panel. Yeah, that's right. Be, he's <laughs> looking for my fucking seat next, so I'm gonna be looking over my shoulder. Mm. He's looking for the hosting spot. But um, no, so so my question. Um, I've got three questions, and well, can I go first? Yeah, then you go because then I've got time to think about a second yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, do that. Okay. I love that because so, you guys are going <laughs> we're working it out on the fly here this is our second episode AI yeah. doesn't do that doesn't go the, you know the thing in the, the one because AI can't go you know the thing in the, the can't understand no. it <laughs> um, if you're on a deserted island and you had three things to take what would they be uh, wife and two children alright well let's, let's, let's that's I like the, that that's, that's, a love, that's a loving man's answer uh, yeah for sure what if they, were, like what if they were what if they weren't allowed to be living yeah. people Okay, so Let's my, my family are with me now. I'll take three things. Okay. Inanimate objects. Uh, surfboard. Okay. Is it a tropical island? Because I'm just deciding. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 you can be on tropical. No, no, you don't need my wetsuit. Is the risk worth it? Yeah, true. There might not be any waves. Yeah, I'll definitely take my surfboard. Because I'll paddle on it anyway. And it's an island. Oh, no, good for paddle. Just keep fit. Surfboard. Can I take my library? 
You could take, yeah, it will book. What would the book be? Say one book. What would the book be? Hey, that's my fucking question. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. We're just going to... Uh, um, library's good. No, library's good. Library. It's a tablet. Yeah, no, take your library. Technology, library. you got your tablet, you got Kindle. Yeah. That's yeah, but I wouldn't have any connectivity with that. Oh, yeah, true. That's why I said library. No, that's why li- I went analog. A, yeah. A library. We'll so library. Library's all my good. Books. Yeah, I've got a library, so yeah. I'll take my library. Yeah. And an umbrella. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you want to build one? Hey? You could build one. No, I think yeah. it'll be in the in the, in the in the in the transitional phase of building the house and everything in the tropical rainstorms. The umbrella be beneficial. Be be quite a lot of beneficial utility. to the skin for yeah. sure. Yeah. Umbrella. Yeah. umbrella, that's a classic. <laughs> um, all right, I'll start my my off. So my uh, my first one is um, favorite travel destination on the planet that you've been and you just love. I want to have two. Culturally, it's Italy. Mm-hmm. And I, when I went surfing in the Maldives, that was just that was just paradise, like yeah. everything I've ever seen in a surfing magazine. I had two. I sorry, I cheated. No, it's but fine. Italy, Italy, <laughs> yeah. Italy, like food, no. culture, all Go of that. Because I'm half Italian, I've yeah. really got that that special link to it. And then you know the thing that I really enjoy in life is like just that surfing and that you know that it's something you you see on the TV. It's yeah. everything. Like that. Well, the yeah. Maldives was like that. So that were the two. Yeah. I've got more. I got. It's my turn yeah, now. Go, go. What's your favourite dish to cook? Uh, I like homemade pizza. Good answer. Homemade pizza, just with the kids and they. Do you have a pizza that, oven? No, I don't have a pizza oven. Just got an old school normal oven. But yeah, just seeing the kids doing yep. their own stuff, and we actually. As my TED talk was about that. I grew a full end-to-end pizza with my daughter where we did everything wheat the whole lot right through seven months. That's awesome. Like end-to-end pizza. That's what my TED talk was about. How you can learn about automation, technology, economics and everything through pizza. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah. It's in, it's in there. Oh, fantastic. in there. Uh, my next one is um, dream travel destination. So a place you haven't been, top your bucket list. I think the Northern Lights. In Scandinavia, second, second, uh, second answer in a row. Yeah. Iceland, yeah, yeah. And, and and to stay in that ice hotel, yeah, that's really That'd be cool. Sick. That'd be sick. I'd I was in Iceland that. last year, and I didn't even Epic. know about that. I knew about it, but it was not really a thing until my wife just kept bringing it up and showing the pictures of it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that would be cool. Yeah, it would be very cool. Yeah, I saw it last year. Yeah. Oh right. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I saw it really good, and then my guys that were over there on the next trip. They said that it was ten orders of magnitude better. They were like, one of the guys came back and he goes, "Man." Tommy, who used to be my co-host, um, he's been living in Bali now. He thanked me after seeing the Northern Lights. He goes, hey, mate, I need to really thank you for putting me on that trip, allowing me to staff it. And I was like, yeah, bro, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, 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 I really need to thank you. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking sweet, mate. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, I don't think you understand. He goes, <laughs> he goes, we laid down on our backs and stared up the sky for 30 or 40 minutes while greens, purples, and all these different colors, which is a 10 out of 10 Aurora-wise right, when yeah. you get multiple colors. He goes... I'm quite certain that I'll never see anything as incredible that for, as wow, that for the rest of my life. that's amazing. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm going to save that one. Yeah. yeah I definitely want to do that with my kids. Yeah. That would be really sweet. With kids would be fantastic because mm. it would be mind-melting to a child. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Honestly. It would. It would, it would yeah. Their creativity. Because yeah. kids oh. just love stuff that we yeah. take for granted, don't 100%. they, guys? Yeah. Wow, look they at see that. The they, like, they, they have they no see sensor. The wonder, they, they have no filter. Yeah. Uncorrupted. It's just... Yeah, uncorrupted. 100%. Kids are rad. Yeah. Yeah. You got another one? I got another one. It might... You might. Okay. Um, your book mm. what's the one lesson you've learned that's like the most important lesson you've learned in life that school never taught you 
You were born an entrepreneur and school kicked it out of you on purpose. You were born that way. All the entrepreneurial skills you've got and they're deep down inside your gut. You've got to find them again. I agree 100%. I read a funny article the other day called um, Why um, A-Grade Students Work for C-Grade Students. It was kind oh, of. What's that about? It's about. Uh, it's about. I get that. The rebellious totally. ones. That's great. I got expelled from school twice. No and way. I, yeah, and I and I run two. This boy down on the three, three businesses. <laughs> yeah, and I got twice too. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh we both got expelled from the same school once. <laughs> yeah. I knew, like I was in trouble a lot, but I never really got to that level. Uh, yeah, but but it's basically about the people that learn and learn in the system are the A grade students. They they are the ones that are, you know. They're the sheep that are programmed to do as we say, act this way, do this, follow this. And then the C-grade students are the ones that are like, now nah, fuck that. I'm going to go fucking tell fart jokes with my mates. I'm not coming to class. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Or I'm going to, or I'm going to, like, and they're the ones that, that stand up against the system and so forth. And they're the ones that normally go out and have the balls or haven't been programmed in the way that holds them back. And they're the ones that have the more entrepreneurial flair. And then they go out and hire the A-grade students. I see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I buy that 100%. Yeah, totally. That, that's, really that's, I mean, article. that's straight up. That's yeah. straight up. Look, I mean, and the, it's like a probability game. You know, one of the things that I'm fascinated with is probability. I'm fascinated with probability. And I actually live my entire life around probability. Like even some of the answers I gave you were probability answers, right? On the, you know, like low probability, super yeah. high risk with the nuclear thing, right? Yeah. People are really bad at assessing probability. And the probability of doing well in life by being an A-grade student is really, really high. Mm -hmm. But you'll be above average, but you'll never get stratospheric. Yeah. Right, you just can't. Now, for every C-grade student that hires A-grade students, here's the thing, there's 999 C-grade students who don't. Yeah. Right, and that's the success bias. Yeah. The success bias is you read the story about the startup entrepreneur who failed school, did this, whatever, and then became a success. What you're not reading about is the 999 stories of people who did that and now they don't know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Right? And fair. so the system that we give people is one of high probability but, you know, low awesomeness. Yeah. You know, and, and finding that balance between awesomeness and probability is really the art of life, mm. knowing where you want to live. Mm. Right? So I could have chased bigger dollars in startups and I had a couple of startups that did well. But as a freelancer, I get a really, really high living standard with a high probability at the same time. And it's, I had a really high probability of success more than I would with a startup. I don't make as much money as I would if I had a startup that went really, really big, mm-hmm. but already live an inordinately free, wonderful lifestyle yeah. with a high probability of that being maintained in perpetuity. Like That's when right. I invest, I invest in simple things like property and index funds, yep. which are in there as well, because they've got a high probability of outcome. So That's I'm really great. all about understanding probability of success on certain things. And that's what that's why that, that situation is true. It's important. It's good. Um, I do have one final question. Um, your f- any books that you like to recommend can be any sort of written... Whatever. I got a feeling I know what he's going to say. Can I have more than that? Come on, you've got time. Come on, that was the given. No, no, look, it doesn't. uh, um, All right. You know the book that probably changed my life the most was probably Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's my father's favourite book. Look, it's very, very easy. It's a very, very simple read, right? It's very rudimentary. But it helps you understand. And actually his second one's probably the best one, which is called the cash flow quadrant. Mm-hmm. The cash flow, actually, no, I'm going to revise that. It's not Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's the cash flow quadrant. That book there tells you about the economic system 
which then tells you about your ability to have enjoyment, emotional, engaging things that you do and passion more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, that book is probably – it wasn't that that book was the best out of all the ones I've read, but it was the one that led me to explore other things about finance, entrepreneurship, yeah. creativity, all of that. The Cashflow Quadrant. Cool. And I, and I didn't even buy it. I got it from a library. Yeah. Good. Robert Kiyosaki. Cashflow that was, and I would normally, I've been asked this question a lot and I've never given that book. I don't know why, mm. but something today led me to recommend that one. And if you ask me next week, it might be something different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To yeah, be definitely. Sure. No, for like, sure. Like it sounds crazy, doesn't it? No, but, no, no, but it's but understandable. I think just the things that we talked about, it was really interesting because it really breaks up the different types of work and things that we can do in our life. The Cashflow Quadrant, it's really interesting. Mm. And if you haven't got time to read books, you know, there's some really great website, uh, really great channels on YouTube that give you a book in 10 minutes where they just yeah. summarise it and draw pictures and it's a yeah. great way to get your head around some books. Like Blinkist's stuff. They yeah, do like that, art, like that, that, that yeah. yeah. Um, Steve, mate, that's that's it. Where can people where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, stevesamatino.com. Sign up to my email list. I'll tell you why. Anything that I do that's interesting and cool goes on there. I do one blog post that comes out every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Australian time. And uh, I've got a few thousand people that sign up to that. I do a blog post on something that's interesting. I tell people if you read that every week, you will know everything you need to know about the technology revolution and the future that you need to know. Because cool. I distill it and every week will be a different topic that's relevant. Um, so sign up to that. And, yeah, it, you can find me on social, any of the social channels, Twitter, Instagram, not so much Facebook, but Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Just hit me up. If you want to send me a note, stevesamatino.com, just send me a note there. I answer everyone. I get lots of them every day and I answer everyone. Didn't you say these were to be given away to yes, listeners? Let's give them away. How are we going to do that? Mm, we. How are we gonna do no, that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Street I just want to man. I just want to Let's cool. bring them in. Well, I will. Um, we will, in the intro and outro, which we'll record after this. Mm. We will find a way to give these to the listeners. <laughs> good answer. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. It's good. All right, Steve, mate. Thanks for coming on mate, the show. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for the chat. That was fantastic. Mate, it's rocking. Awesome, awesome stuff. And that's a wrap. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways that you can do so. Um, if you've gotten anything out of the show and you uh, you want to give back financially in any way, then what you can do is you can go to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash adventure fit what that'll do is that'll allow you to pledge one dollar um three dollars five dollars ten dollars or twenty five dollars per month to adventure fit to our um and to the podcast so um that really really helps guys um this podcast i'll be um, totally brutally honest we were growing by 28 percent a month for the first year and then since then, we haven't really grown much. Listens have very much stagnated. Um, we've been putting a little bit of focus in other areas, so it's probably um, it's probably on me more than anyone else. But we do want to keep this podcast very viable into the future, and having um, having a having a supporter base that that help us do that, um, you know, financially, it, it, it's really helpful. If you guys don't want to, obviously jump in financially, which is totally cool. Um, other ways that you can put, support the show is you can just subscribe. So subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher, whichever one you listen on, or of course, subscribing on YouTube, which is at Adventure Fit Travel. All massive help. Um, the more people that see and love and, and, and talk about our stuff, then the more, uh, the, more, the more stuff we can do because it is a business, obviously. Um, as much as I would love to be doing this stuff out of the kindness of my heart and whatever, um, you know, 
it, it, it helps us to, um, to make everything financially viable. I, I love doing this stuff. Uh, everything to do with adventure and I want to continue to do it forever. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the, the more tickets that get sold, the easier that is and, and so forth. So um, also you can check out the show notes at www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash radio. You can also um, get 10% off at trueprotein.com.au using the code ADVF and 10% off using the code radio at adventurefittravel.com. Thanks, guys. See you next week.